If you're in construction, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Constructed Behaviors Podcast. I'm your host, Barb Allen. I'm a woman with decades of experience in the construction industry, and most of it on the job site. I know how rewarding this industry can be, but like you, I also know that we could improve. Let's work together to make changes from the inside out. Coralie Beatty, who is not only a construction business owner, but also a wife and mother of four, ended up in the construction industry? Then let's get started. Hey, Coralie. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Coralie has over 25 years in construction. She has more than 15 years managing her own subcontracting business. And she is now sharing her knowledge and her experience to other women construction business owners. So do you want to expand on that a little, Coralie? There's a lot of different things I'm doing. I um, I do some training on specifically a lot of leadership training because I think that um, we need better leaders in our construction industry to bring in new people. So I do training in-house for leadership. And I am also a fractional COO for construction companies, helping them from the inside to get their processes and systems sorted out. I advocate for women in this industry. I support people at every level. I just want to see women be successful here because it's such an exciting place to be and we need women. We need more women for many different reasons. Let's tell everybody how we met because I, what I love about the story of how we met is I think it really helps women understand the benefits of networking with other women in our industry and particularly what the benefits of LinkedIn are. So mm. um, I'm gonna let you tell the story uh, of, of how we met. Well, for me, it was it was like a year and a half ago or something. Oh, no, it was just over a year ago, like April yeah. of last year or something, May, June, I think it was June because you quit in June. So June, yeah. you you went out on your own, you are intentionally took a break from work and just decided to do something else. And I, somebody I knew, what you knew, and somebody that I knew posted or um, commented on your post about you um, doing this. And I was, I saw, I read it and I read the post and I loved the picture that you had up with it. And I was like, Oh, this is exciting because I love, um, especially people, you had a long history in the industry. And I loved the story that you shared there, just, you know, figuring out what's next for you, because I went through a similar thing when I sold my business. So I wanted to connect with you. I reached out and I'm like, Hey, I'd love to talk to you. Love to meet you, hear your story. What are you going to do? all of those things. So that was kind of what um, sparked me to reach out to you is just that somebody we shared in common as a connection commented on yours. And and that's how it showed up on my feed. Well, I think it's so amazing because for me spending 20 years in the field and granted social media wasn't a big part of, of life in general um, during those 20 years, but Mm -hmm. thinking now, like, I, I didn't really know many women and I wasn't connecting with women being in the field. And so I started more of that in 2013 when I joined NAWIC. But when I quit my job last June, I was trying to figure out how do I let the industry know? Because if I'm honest, part of me was like, I'm afraid people are going to think I got fired or something mm. like I wanted people to know I was doing it intentionally. I was taking this break. This was my choice. And this is what I want to do with it. 
And so it was, it was vulnerable for me to put that out there and just say, Hey, everybody, this is what I'm doing. And for one of the responses I received to be this woman I've never met from Canada saying, Oh my gosh, love your story. Would love to connect. I'm like, what is this LinkedIn thing? Right? Like I had been active for years, but that, that was, that was just crazy for me. And and it just continued to grow, like the number of women that were reaching out to me and a, and a few men, but it was mostly women reaching out saying, I'd love to know more about what you're doing. I'd love to help you in any way I can. Mm. And these are women that I did not know. Um, mm. And I, for you and I, I mean, you have introduced me to Camille and Camille um, helped set up my podcast and has become a friend. And it's just like all of these connections mm -hmm. that just kind of snowball from LinkedIn. And I, I just really want women to understand how important networking with other women is because they really, if women, if there is a woman who wants to help, she really wants to help and she will yes. just share her network with you. Have you had I have two things? Thing? Yeah, two things to say on that. One is that, you know, to find like the world of collaborating instead of competing, I think for women is amazing. Like let's work together and, you know, help rise everybody up. And that's what I, I love doing that. I just love supporting people, even people who may be considered my competitors. Everybody has their people. This is a world of abundance. Like, let's just support each other and watch everybody be successful because somebody else being successful doesn't take away my success. And I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that that is something that we need to talk more about is just let's collaborate. And the other thing, I forget. Um, collaborating and then I do that all the time and it gets, yeah, I should have wrote it down. There's a reason I would do the paper. Um, second point was collaborating and, oh, the second point is sharing your network. Like I have met so many people through the people that I'm connected with, like through you and through Camille, I just, it is such a powerful place to be. And when you can connect with the people who are like-minded it is an incredible mem it's an incredible community to be part of and i think women in construction is um you know we are a breeding of ourselves and i think that the more you can connect with women like you the better you can do and i, I encourage that for everybody yeah and i think that this the the sense of community is just something as a as a woman i just really hadn't felt a community mm. of women um before until really i quit my job and started you know interacting with more women on linkedin and it's just crazy how it makes you start to feel like okay this industry isn't uh, let me say it differently. This industry is really small and connecting the dots. And it's take Myra, for example, right? Like mm. Myra, I just met through LinkedIn, uh, actually through someone else anyway. Oh, okay. um, and then she and I are talking and she mentioned you. And I'm like, how do you know Coralie? You know, and it's like, as an, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so she's in Albuquerque and you're in Canada. And it's like, I love this. It just starts to feel like I know women all over the country in construction because of the networking opportunities yeah. that LinkedIn provides. So yeah. we could probably do a whole episode on that, but I really <laughs> want to focus today on how women get into the industry. And I have, um, I've released another episode that tells everybody how I got into construction. 
Um, I think one, people just get interested in the topic of how does somebody like you like get into the industry? But the other thing that's so important is that people understand it's not intentional. Like women are stumbling upon these careers and then they're intentionally choosing them. Mm. But we've got to do something better about helping women find them and make them more aware of the opportunities, not only women, but young girls. And so I felt like one way to do that is for, to have women like you on my show and tell your story about how you, how you stumbled upon construction. And so more people can start hearing that this is crazy. This is the only reason these women are finding these careers. So that's what I really want to do. Um, so, and it really, honestly, it came to me when I was listening, you have a podcast called biz under construction, uh, that yes. I was listening to. And in one of your episodes, you told your story. And I thought, man, all this time I've known her, I never actually asked her story. And when I heard it, I'm like, this is an episode. So will you, um, we start by telling us how you came into construction? Well, I was introduced to construction at a very young age, like at the age of, I think it was six or seven, because in this, in the little subdivision that I was growing up in that we moved into, um, there was a lot of construction going on in the neighborhood and on, and back in the 70s, uh, they didn't have things like safety fences to keep kids out. So on weekends, I would go wander these construction sites just for something to do. And I fell in love instantaneously. This is amazing. So these are like at the time, the one, you know, in particular, I remember is that this house was just in its rough framing, no doors or windows yet. Um, And they had the damp proofing, so it wasn't back filled yet. And I remember just going along and pressing all of the, like pushing the, the bubbles in the damp proofing. And it was like just tar back then. It was like gross, but at the same time, it was just so satisfying. Like just that, that, that feeling of, and I was just like, Ooh, this is cool. And then I went inside the house and I was walking around and just the sounds of, you know, walking, um, and hearing the echo of the rough framing and the just the wood structure. And I just remember standing on the landing of the staircase and looking around and wondering like, you know, what family's gonna live here and how are they gonna live in this space? And, and you know, where are they gonna put their things and where's what, cause this is the first time I ever exposed to something like this. So it's like, where are things like, where would be the kitchen or, you know, whatever it happened to be like, what is this house gonna look like? It was just so exciting to me. And I remember I would go back there and I'd pick up nails and I wondered if I was stealing, but I thought, well, these are just disposed of, aren't they? Don't actually use these loose ones. It was kind of this thing in my mind. Anyway, so that's when I was first introduced to it. Can I I say real quickly that um, as a a young child, your brain was way more developed than mine. I never walked (laughs) into those houses and thought all that stuff. I just walked in. I love the smell of sawdust. Mm, And I was like, oh, this is cool. I never had all those thoughts. So- Kudos to well, you. Maybe, maybe it was because I had the freedom. I was, you know, we, I was there by myself. I was actually there with my best friend, but we were both kind of wandering around and just kind of doing our own space thing. But um, yeah, it was the smell, like the smells that still to this day, I walk into a Home Depot and I'll like, my nose will lead me to the the lumber yard. I'll be just like, oh, it's just, you know, the cut lumber. Anyway, I, um, so I enjoy, like learned, like just wandered around sites. And then I liked looking at floor plans and house plans and dreaming about what I would build for myself one day. And I used to like draft floor plans all the time. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite exercise in grade school was like fire 
fire safety week when we had to like sketch the floor plan of our house and our escape route. So I'd be like putting the bed in there. You know, I used to love that. And then, you know, so doing floor plans and looking at house plans and all that stuff was like something I did in my free time for most of my life. And then I graduated high school and clearly what I should be doing next is going to university to take psychology. Like what? Like it just, (laughs) there was, there was no consideration that I would ever pursue a career in construction. Like it just, no matter how much I didn't even realize I loved it at the time, it consumed most of my free time just doing those types of things. Right. And then, so when I graduated high school, I went to university to pursue psychology and criminology. And after four years at university, realized that I can't do this. One is that I would have to like, leave my emotions at the office. And I didn't see that ever being something I could do if I was working in that environment. And the other thing is I I couldn't identify with them. I didn't feel as though I could genuinely help them if I didn't identify with them. And I quit university. Well, actually I didn't quit right away. I made a phone call to the local um, technical school. I was just like, so I'm thinking about doing this thing. Like, oh, we have space in the program. It started last week, but you can come join us. I was just like, Okay. So that was on a Wednesday. I quit my job. I quit university and come Monday, I started at the technical school. What It was, go ahead. What, what made you call the technical school? Like how did that's, I want to know that. Like, how did that come in play? Did you drive by it? Did you know someone? Did someone recommend it? My boyfriend at the time was an electrician yeah, he was an electrician. And so that may have sparked um, a memory. Like, this is funny because I haven't I haven't thought about this. That may have sparked the interest because I would drop him off at his job sites and stuff. So maybe there was this time period of time before I made this transition where I was like, oh, yeah, I wonder what it's like on that job site or, you know, what he's doing there. So maybe that's where it kind of reignited the interest and the okay. intrigue um, because, yeah, I'm real really I don't remember what made me think maybe I'll pursue this construction thing but that's what it was like it was this thing where I was like oh maybe I'll pursue construction why not so that's why I called just to see what the options were and it was there like it was like happened to have a space and you know all of the things that work out so yeah I quit my job quit my because I was working part-time and going to school part-time I quit both of those things to start school full-time and how you at that time What's that? How old were you at that time? I would have been 22-ish. Okay. 23, 22 or 23. And um, yeah, I started full-time and that was the first time ever in the history of my life. I've always been good at school, but I never really needed to put effort into it. And it was the first time ever that I was like, oh, learning was exciting. It's like, I was learning how to build houses because the program I took was called Building Technology. So I learned all of the bits. Like I learned a little bit of plumbing, a little bit, like all the stuff to be dangerous, a little bit electrical, you know, the framing, like all of the stuff to put a house together, ventilation, all those things. I had courses in all of those things. And it was so exciting to me. And I loved it. I, I was like, oh, this is what education is supposed to be like. And uh, yeah, so I graduated from that program and was hired like the same week into an engineering firm as a building envelope consultant. So I was building envelope consultant for my first 10 years out of the industry, out of the, out of school. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, my, I don't, I didn't stumble upon it and decide to move into it until I think I was probably 20. Um, mm. and it's, yeah, I love how you had to think about how it actually spawned, right? Because I think a lot mm. of women don't, they, they, they know when they got into it, but thinking about what actually turned that switch in my head to think, oh, I should go apply at this trade school, right? Like that's mm -hmm. exciting to me. So um, what, what have you seen has been the hardest part of being a woman in construction? Um. I think like I had a relatively good career as far as like the 10 years that I had as the envelope consultant, I was in a position of authority in that the time that I joined the industry, we had this thing here on the West coast and it was the West coast of us as well. It was called leaky condo crisis where um, all these condominiums were rotting from the inside out. Like it was, it was horrible. And so we were coming in and doing things differently. We needed to build differently. And so the biggest resistance that I got was from old guys who were just used to doing things the way that they've always done things. Like, this is just how we do it. Why would we change this now? I'm like, have you seen all the rot over there? Like, have you seen what's happening here? Um, but I think that, you know, that was probably the biggest, the hardest thing for me was being in that position of, one, having the confidence to say we're doing things differently and having those conversations in a respectful way with older gentlemen who I certainly appreciate the experience that they have in the industry because they knew a whole lot more than I did. But what I did know is that we need to do things differently and this is the new way we need to do them. So it was gaining the respect of those people and working with them so that, you know, we were working together in an effort to have a better outcome. And that was probably the hardest part. Um, you know, there's things like being taken seriously and little notes, love notes written on the walls to me, you know, and I was just like, oh, that's so cute. Um, I wasn't loved, but you know, I was respected. So um, that's kind of what mattered to me. I didn't, I didn't worry too much about it. I learned very early to get thick skin. And can you tell our listeners like what, what, do you remember what things in particular you tried to do to gain their respect, to, to earn their respect? I had a really good mentor as a boss. Um, he, he taught me a lot just on being human, communicating, uh, and learning how to have build relationships really. And so I approached those conversations from a place of learning and respect. Like I always, um, complimented them because oftentimes they were doing great work and I would, um, it, it's a matter of how I approach the conversations and, and doing so not in a way that was telling them you're doing this wrong. We need to do it differently, but kind of explaining, you know, the problem with what we have been doing and why we need to do it differently. And just, um, learning how to communicate from their position. I learned that at a very young age, like just understanding the other person's perspective, where are they coming from? And when I can understand where they are coming from and approach the conversation with that um, understanding and that um, I think that it's a skill, like just being able to turn around and answer those questions and address their concerns. I think that that was probably 
what helped to build the respect to build those relationships was just not coming in as a know-it-all, not coming in, you need to do what I say because this is the right way and that's the wrong way. Like it just, you need to be sensitive to what they're thinking and feeling and where they come from and the experience that they have. And now they are dealing with some young woman coming onto their site and telling them they're doing it wrong. Really? They're not going to, they're not going to respond well to that. So you need to figure out a way to um, approach it so that they're not feeling threatened. Well, and I think it's all summed up in um, saying that showing them respect and making them feel heard. And I think Mm. that's, that's what everybody's really looking for. They want to know that their experience and their opinions matter and that they've Mm -hmm. been heard, whether you go their direction or not, at least they know you heard them out. Um, And that, that can make such a difference in a relationship with someone that it's been hard to develop, develop one with. Okay. So um, the envelope consultant, is it after envelope consultant that you started your own business, you and your husband? Well, I was, we had started, it's funny. I, um, I thought it was always his idea to start a business. I was like, were you insane? And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure it was your idea. And I'm like, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we had started it while I was still working full time. So he worked, he transitioned out of his, um, employee position into business owner And so there was a few years that overlapped between me working my full-time job, helping him with the business, and then me leaving my engineering position or the engineering firm and um, going into, you know, working full-time with him. There's a probably four or five years overlap there. The time when we built our house and I had my second kid. So we, I had my second kid. And when my second kid was a year older, old, when we, my second kid was a year old here in Canada, we get a year maternity leave. So instead of going back to work after a year, we decided to tear down our house and build a house. So I was, the, I acted as a general contractor for building our house and I didn't go back to the um, engineering firm after that. Okay. And you, so you guys had your business for over 15 years and I will say, listening to your podcast, there was one episode in particular, I wish I remembered which one it was, I would tell the listeners, but um, you were really vulnerable in that episode about how hard it was um, financially, like how going from day to day, like making sure you had the money that you needed um, to pay your employees. And, And you said you never went once. There was not a time that you guys ever missed payday. So that was that is, I'm sure, a really great feeling because that's yes. that's always been one of my hesitations. I've thought about starting my own business for probably since 20, 2016 is when I first really started thinking about it. And so what, seven years ago, um, but I was thinking of doing more subcontracting and mm. the idea of, oh my gosh, these people's livelihood would now rely on me. That is super scary. And that's what you guys were doing. And I loved how vulnerable you were in that episode, letting people know, Hey, it happens. Even successful businesses start Mm. out where it's hard. And, and I really, I really appreciated, um, that kind of vulnerability. Um, and I, yeah, there's a few episodes that could be, because that was a, it's like a recurring theme because it was a real deal. Like absolutely. When you are responsible for somebody else's mortgage, food on their table, kids activities, their clothes on their back. Like when you are ultimately responsible to make sure they have money for those things, 
That is, that's a huge responsibility. And I think it's one that we thankfully don't consider when we start hiring people. Like it's not something I, it is not something I thought about because it was just like, I'll just pay my employees. It was when things, it was when things started getting tough. Like because the first three or four years of our business, maybe even longer than that was good. Three or four, yeah, probably three or four years. It was good. Like we had money, taxes. I had, we had, we were able to save enough money to build a house. Like it was, you know, it was good. It was, um, after that, when we grew too much and the market was changing and we had to change our work and life got difficult and you grow to a point, it's like you can have certain systems in place and grow to a point, but then things need to change. And if you don't change, you get stretched. And if you don't know what you're in for when in that growth, um, yeah, a lot of businesses get lost in that space for sure. But thankfully, yeah. we we survived and grew and shifted where we needed to. Yeah. And then eventually you guys decided to get out. Yes. And do do your own thing. So uh, not get out of the marriage, get out of the business <laughs> and do your own things. Uh, so, so tell everybody about that decision for you and your decision and, and moving into what you're doing today. How did that, how did that thought process happen for you? So we had, um, once I first learned about business coaches, uh, I hired our like first one as soon as I'm like, I did not know this existed. Where have you been for so many years? And so what we hired one was the most suffocating investment we made in ourselves and our business ever. But I could not leave that meeting and not invest. I felt like if I left that meeting without investing in this business and my future, I, I wouldn't be able to survive. So we invested in that. What was that? To be clear, the suffocating was the amount of money it cost, not the coach. Yes. Yeah. It, yes. It was the amount of money. It was just like, that was a huge investment for us at the time. And um, so we invested. And from that moment, it was just like this, this huge sense of relief. One of the reasons I do what I do now, but huge sense of relief because I had somebody who had done it before and could show me the way. So they showed me the things I needed to do to put my business in a position to sell it. So over the next kind of seven to nine-ish years. I really need to figure out the actual timing. It's kind of always just kind of, I think this is about it, but um, we worked with a few different business coaches and um, you know, each one kind of offered different things and we put ourselves in a position to sell. And so we started, it was in September of 2017 when we started looking into the process of selling, like what would it look like? And so, you know, we have to go through the valuation, get the paperwork together, get everything organized. You know, there's this whole process to get in your valuation. We were just, we couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And I just don't want people to get to that point. It is not necessary. Even with our business coaches that we've had over the years, like there's still, you, you need to be able to manage your own time. You need to value yourself. You right. need to be able to self care. And we weren't, we just, yeah. we weren't. Yep. Yeah, I think we've all been through that in the industry. Some mm. of us have not gotten through it. Some of us continue to do it. Um, I was yes. I was fortunate enough to um, kind of have an intervention from my boss uh, a long time ago, and he was like, "Okay, you need a weekend off. I'm going to work for you." You know, and I'm like, uh, "Wow, my boss!" Like, and when your boss steps in and says, "You need to take a weekend off," I mean, kudos for that boss for standing up for me. Yes, but it also made me realize okay, I have completely been taking advantage of my family mm. by staying at work all the time. Right. And, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, and I, I can't say I've never gone back to that mindset. Like there are times when I'm like, I get really enthralled and then I'm like, nope, I got to step back again, you know? Yes. And yeah. um, so I'm learning to recognize and step back and um, do it when I want to do it and then step out again. But it's yeah. something in the industry. I don't know anyone in our industry who has not experienced that, um, mm -hmm. that, that level of stress and it's time to step away for a bit. So I agree. And I think that that's kind of the difference between some of the companies that make it and the ones that don't is that people, they burn out, they crack, they can't, they can't keep doing it like right. physically. It's yep. unhealthy. Well, and okay. So, so that we don't end on a, on that note, let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about what, what have you loved about the construction industry? What would you tell other women, young girls is so great about this industry? Uh, for me personally, it's the smells, it's the sounds, it's the, all those things. But you know, if you don't get that when you're on a construction site, it doesn't mean it isn't great experience. I think that, you know, building our infra infrastructure, regardless at what level, whether you're residential, commercial, you know, industrial, whatever level of construction you want to pursue, you are contributing to the infrastructure that supports the community you live in. Like it is, it is a necessary space and it is so incredibly important. And I think really people don't recognize that value. Like there, I don't, there's, you know, a guy, Andrew Brown, I think he is on LinkedIn. He goes on about skilled trades and how amazing they are. And it's true. Like you are, you cannot survive without plumbers, without electricians, without, you know, people who are managing your air conditioning. What happens if your air conditioning goes down in the middle of summer? Like, what are you going to do? You know, like there's just, and to build the house that you live in to begin with. Like, I think there's so much, pride to be experienced when you can contribute to the beauty that surrounds us, whether it be, you know, you put the building there, sure, maybe you take down trees to put the building there, but you can put trees back around it to create, like, it. it's a beautiful space that we live in. And I think that there's so much that we can contribute to. So I really, I think just the nature of what it is that we do is, is amazing. I, I truly love it. Okay, so last question. If you were to start a new career today in the trades, you are going to be, you physically be in the trades, what trade would you want to try? Oh, not hands down. You're good at, not something you're experienced at. Yeah. What do you want to try? Oh yeah, no, hands down, it would be a carpenter because that intoxicating smell of cut lumber, I love it. Like I would, if I was, and I'll offer this, if I was to logically give an answer, like follow what I is a good idea. I would say, I would say HVAC, not just because that's the industry I used to be in or am in as we're building a new business, but um, I would say HVAC because that is the way of the future. Like with at least, especially where we are right now, electrification is coming in and gas is going out. People need heat pumps. And that is the way of the future. And I recommend to anybody, if you're open and thinking about pursuing a career in this industry, although I love the smell of cut lumber and I even like the smell of cut steel, like that burning smell of cut steel, it's just like, oh, it's intoxicating. But lumber is my is my thing. And um, I would carpentry for that reason, but HVAC, if I was to consider it logically. 
Well, lucky for us, neither of us are starting completely new careers uh, at this time in our lives. We are getting to enjoy uh, utilizing our experiences to help others who are yes. getting to start their their new careers. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm so thankful mm. for you. And I, I really want to say that I appreciate you joining the podcast today. It was fantastic talking with you. And I'm excited to get to meet you at NAWIC National yes. Conference in a person for the first time. So I will see you in a couple weeks. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was really great. Absolutely. See ya. See ya. If you know someone that could benefit from this particular episode, then share it with them. Or if you want to continue to learn about the untapped and underutilized resources that will take your business to the next level, then follow the podcast. You don't want to miss an episode where we discuss what you needed to hear. And lastly, there is a link in the show notes that will allow you to reach out to me directly if you want to accelerate that learning curve. Thanks for listening. Talk soon.